And again, answering are the Eagles. Cato now, 4-3. That's two in a row for the freshman. The steal, the spin, behind the back, behind the back, splitting the double team. What's going on, guys? This is Elliot Cressy on the mic, as always, joined by co-host Russell Kelly. As always. As always, per... My last email. <laughs> Man, I always got... And actually, I've got to the point now where I'm not offended by when someone says "as discussed" or "as our per our phone call." Or I feel like I I became offended at that at first when I saw it. I was and I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna use this." That was like my first thought. But then it was like, "Okay, I see they're they're you know being a little bit snarky." It all no, it all boils down to who did they CC on the email? Yeah, that's fair. You know, if if it was just you, I don't care. If it was me and your my coworker. I don't care. It's me and my superior, my yeah. my supervisor. I'm like, eh. and they they cc'd you on a forward of like the last email they sent you or something, so that they're, yeah, they're, yeah. But at the same time, you know, if if your boss loves you, then you're doing the right thing. Then yeah. So on this pod, we're gonna get right down to business. Nothing else has gone on in our lives. It's the same old crap. We wasted your time the last two podcasts with ten minutes of. Of dogs and... Talking about dogs, bikes, or something else. Trikes. Trikes. Nah, no trikes yet. No. Um, we had the very special privilege of talking with Commissioner Gumbart of the A-Sun, because that's what FGCU plays in. Um, it was a very good conversation. Learned a lot of insight and, and kind of behind the scenes on what's going on from a... a administrative standpoint in the conference the um regarding COVID-19 right obviously the decision making processes and all those things <laughs> plus you're probably you know sick of hearing us talk about things so we could see counsel of the actual commissioner to give us the latest and greatest so without further ado let's just jump right in and uh tune in for the end because we got a special song <laughs> what are we singing? No. Okay, good. All right, and tonight we welcome very special guest, uh, A Sun Commissioner Ted Gumbart. Uh, welcome to the pod, Ted. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. It's great to uh, do my debut on the Screecher Report. And uh, the answer, the the yeah, the company line these days. When people ask, how you doing? It's like, I'm healthy, I'm employed, and sanity was never really determined to begin with. So I think I'm I'm doing okay. Those are three really good points, and I'm glad you're doing well in all three. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with, I hope that works for you. How are you guys doing? We're doing just as good and, and about the same. If you ask us, you know, we're both still working and, and doing the best we can uh, in these times, but wanted to ask you kind of going into the first question uh, with all the uncertainty and speculation surrounding, you know, the return of college sports, um, how are things going? And I'm sure what's the, you know, what is the strangest time possibly in your professional career? 
I think things are going as well as possible for the A-Sun, given the circumstances. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's a great situation, but I think everybody that uh, from students to uh, administrators to coaches to presidents have all been great, even, you know, all the support staff as compliance people and training staff, uh, everybody wants to compete. So we understand that. And everybody wants to do it safely. We understand that. So that's the, the rub. Can we compete safely? And our our approach is really down to we've got to ensure that those that compete, uh, you send them out on the playing field or the court, that the healthy are able to compete and those that are infected are separated. That's simple. You know, separate the healthy from the infected and let the healthy play. But that's, you know, there's so much to that as far as testing and accuracy and false positives and uh, tracing if you do get a positive and how long you have to stay out if you get a positive. And uh, the bottom line is we don't want to jeopardize the campus health by conducting athletics. And until we figure out that we can do it without jeopardizing campus health, uh, as well as any individual that's on a team, uh, we're still on a holding pattern. And we postponed, we didn't cancel, so we still hope to play uh, in the spring. But as far as, you know, what's the status? Uh, great disappointment from everyone. We're all vested in playing. That's what we do. We provide opportunities. And, you know, if players can't play and coaches can't coach, uh, it, it's, you know, we're obviously in a not, uh, normal time and not normal in a sense that it's, it's not enjoyable. <laughs> right. And, you know, just out of curiosity, um, there's concern about, um, you know, can, can the general, you know, school population and campus and stuff stay safe if if the sports are occurring? But what's the concern like the other way around, like with with you know masses of students coming back to campus? How does that you know affect the potential health of the players in your perspective? I think that one of the things that we've agreed on from the very beginning, even when it was back to March and canceling the NCAA tournament last spring was that this is part, athletics is part of the higher educational uh, experience. Uh, we consider ourselves in higher ed and our pathway is through athletics, but uh, we believe that the lessons learned as being part of a team uh, and whether it's part of a band or part of a, a debate team or an athletic team, that there's great uh, value in that educational experience but that we're part of uh, a university first. So if we don't have a safe university setting and you're not conducting uh, uh, classes and we don't have residents on campus, then athletics is not ready to go. We're part of the campus, not apart from the campus. So number one, we need that. So we need all the students to come back. We need to see how it affects uh, you know, the spread of the virus. And we need to learn how to contain it and live with it because it's not going away, not anytime soon. Now, maybe we'll get a vaccine 
this is still a very young disease. We only have, what, eight months of data that uh, we've collected on it, maybe a little bit more. And most of that data is on hospitalized, vulnerable patients. Uh, so how it affects athletes, there's very little data. And it's just being developed in the last month or so where people come back and attempt to practice. And uh, now we've got students coming back. So it is. It's part of a learning uh Live lab, everybody wants to stay safe and, and mitigate the spread, but we've also had incidences across the country where, you know, you have a party uh, that was ill-advised, everybody goes to a wedding because it's a once-in-a-lifetime, and let's just do this one thing, and, you know, they bring, you know, all of a sudden 80% of them have COVID, and then you got to trace. If, if somebody on your team gets it, it, it's not hard to figure out who they've been spending time with uh they've been spending time with their their teammates so we just need to still learn a little bit more before we're comfortable saying we know how to separate the uh infected from the healthy and uh still more to learn and and we're all in it together i mean all of our schools have been very cooperative very open and uh that's one thing i'm very proud of that we we've been open to every question tried to get answers, and and we realized that uncertainty is not a comfortable environment to exist in. I mean, especially if you're a, a type A-driven personality, which some, some coaches and athletes are, that knowing and organizing and planning is is part of the discipline that makes them success, successful. And without that certainty – You've lost the discipline, and then you lose, you know, a little bit of what it means to compete. So it's very uncomfortable times, but, uh, again, you have to deal with what the environment brings. For certain. Um, it seems like there's a few conferences uh, that are on the same page, and maybe that's because they're, you know, located in the same region to the same, to the same extent. But is there a particular major conference or a directive that the ASUN's following? And can you take us through some of the steps of that process and how is that panning out on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I tell you, day-to-day -day is accurate because, uh, you know, we're on calls, either me or staff members or your staff members with others uh, every day, and whether it's the compliance group today or the uh, trainers tomorrow and the ADs the next day and the presidents the next day. Uh, yes, it is day to day. And then even the technology changes. You know, if you're a college sports fan, you're reading, you know, hey, what are they doing with the WNBA and the NBA? And what are they doing with NHL? What are they doing with, uh, you know, Major League Baseball? And, uh, you know, they've had to lose a number of games because people didn't follow, uh, what the guidelines were and brought COVID into the clubhouse. So uh, the day-to-day, 100% -day, accurate. And then uh, how do we follow it? We, we've plugged in now to the NCAA's protocols because they are going to be the standard uh, if we're going to play uh, NCAA championships. And that's even if we move uh, fall to the spring or basketball, that uh, there's going to have to be a mutual agreement. And if we're going to play – some SEC teams, for example, uh, whether it's baseball, softball, basketball, or anything else, they're wanting to know what our protocol is. 
And so we're probably going to follow the national standard, but that is evolving, and we expect it to evolve. And what people are calling the POC, point of contact or point of care testing, is different than getting a uh, swab from the back of your throat, putting it in a tube, sealing it, labeling it, and sending it to a lab, and then they test it, and then they uh, give you the results. That's a laboratory test that you have to overnight ship. But the point of care is something that could be at the game. And whether you're playing football or basketball, the ability to test and say, hey, look, you know, we're having a training meal at 10 and the game's at, you know, 2. Then at that meal, you know, you test everybody before they go sit down to eat the training meal. And if they're positive, you get them out of there. And if they're negative, they're cleared to play. Uh, that's a pretty good way to separate. And then you go sit down, have your meal, and nobody else interacts with anybody else outside that group. And whether they're a coach or anybody else, you know that's a clean group. And the other team does the same thing. Now we can put those people on the floor and, you know, we'll have to cover the officials and anyone at the table where you come in and check in and you're, you know, inside that six-foot bubble with a lot of people. But I think that's very doable. But if you have to send a lab test and it's 36 to 72 hours, uh, you have no idea what everybody does during those two days, and especially if you have to travel. Where where were you traveling? Are you in an airport, hotel, restaurant? that's not a good situation. But if we can test on game day and separate folks, that's doable. And, in fact, I think it will make the athletic uh, participants uh, more careful, knowing that that their their playing time is at risk if they don't behave, that I think it will actually lower the risk of spreading it on campus. If we don't have sports and just say, hey, we're not even going to practice, you're all free students this semester, uh, I think that would remove some discipline that's helping. And I think that would actually be more cases. So, again, it's all conjecture, but uh, we will follow the NCAA's national standards. We will help influence their adoption of some other options. And, uh, of course, you know, we've got partnerships with the SEC in officiating, so we kind of have spoken with them a lot about how we're handling officials, uh, you know, checks and how that should be done so we get good information there. And uh, everybody's been really good about sharing. And the Pac-12 actually has a plan to buy a number of those POC testing devices so each of their schools can have them and they can do the testing, but their orders are delayed because the company that manufactures them, and once they got F uh, I don't know if it's FDA approval and then CDC uh, stamp of approval, they're in high demand. So they're going first to nursing homes and places like that, which is entirely appropriate. But, uh, yeah, we're in touch with a lot of folks. We all have campus medical teams, and we have a conference medical team. And uh, we don't want to do things twice if it's already been done, but we want to coordinate that baseline so every one of our campuses is comfortable sending their student athletes from one ASUN school to the other. Right. And <clears throat> I mean, it's totally true that like a, a on-site game day test is totally a game changer for, you know, the ability to play any kind of sports going forward in the near future. Um, but 
And, you know, everything is subject to change with new information and new testing available and all of that. But there's so many things, you know, ideas floating around. Like you say, everything's conjecture at this point. But, you know, whether it's playing only a conference season in basketball and other uh, winter sports, um, per se, or, you know, just anything like that. I mean, what what kind of goes into the decision-making? What kind of things are being talked about? You know, obviously, like I said, things are subject to change, but I mean, what kind of options are out there? Well, yeah, I'm glad you asked. And, I, and the points you made about uh, you have to stay flexible, flexible and the environment's going to change. So anything we think is certain today, we better be ready to amend tomorrow. I mean, you're, you're right on it. I mean, you could probably sit in. And fans, you know, they think like, hey, did you think of this? Well, probably, but uh, th- there has been great uh, spectrum of ideas. And then you have to narrow it down and you say, how do you narrow it down? It's like one is just, is it feasible? You know, is it even workable? Uh, so let's take basketball. Can we uh, move the final four for men and women's basketball? Uh, it's feasible, but what? would happen uh are we going to have fans or not uh we don't know that uh but saying hey what if you can't start on time so you start late you should just end late and give everybody the chance to play the full season uh well the people that run the final four and dan gavitt is tremendous uh asset to the ncaa who runs uh he's the senior vice president and he oversees basketball uh, men and women, and uh, if he uh, tells us, and we have we have meetings and we share ideas, and and uh, in fact, yesterday they came out with a timeline said, hey, we need to decide the start of uh, practice and the start of the season no later than the middle of September, uh, and there's lots of reasons for that, but some of the constraints are the end, and and if they come back and say, well, we could move the final four, uh, that's conceivable. But then here's something that uh, is a factor, and if you've ever been in any kind of advertising uh, relationship, you know that the final four time is one of the highest uh, values for ad inventory, and that's why it generates so much money, and that's why that money uh, funds the NCAA and it funds their distribution. Uh, so if they move it, you're taking the highest value inventory out of its spot. So now you have a big open spot where nothing is sold and you move it to somewhere in the calendar where you already have events and you've sold the inventory. And now you're dumping in the NCAA inventory. So just by definition, our television partners will want to renegotiate. They said, well, we could move it. And we'll still televise it, but we can't pay you the same amount because we won't realize the same amount in ad revenue. You're leaving us with a big hole here in the uh, first week in April, and you're doubling us up somewhere else where we've already got it. And, yes, it's a crazy year, and a lot of things are changing in, 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 in flex. But that's a really big part of the decision for, for a conference like us because the NCAA funds all of their uh, revenue distribution. We get money for uh, sports sponsorship. You know, uh, FGCU, for instance, they get money uh, based on how many scholarships they give. They get money 
based on their academic achievement, if they're an APR qualifier, academic progress rate. And all of those funds were cut to 31% last year, except one. You know, eight out of nine funds uh, were cut to 31%. And if that happens again this coming year, the loss of that revenue, uh, it, it won't matter whether we've moved championships from the fall to the spring because we won't have the money to support the, the program. It, it, it's really uh, the existence, our blood, you know, our lifeline is that NCAA basketball championship. So we have talked about everything, and, you know, no matter what, we want to play, you know, unless we're putting the kids at risk. If we're not putting them at risk, then we got to play. And, uh, you know, we'll find a way. We start in November or we'll start in December or we'll start in January. And, yes, if we play conference only, then uh, what does the tournament look like? It'll be a different year. That's for sure. Uh, you'll still have all the AQs because every conference is guaranteed a spot. But what do you do with the rest of the field? And uh, if you play conference only, is, a, you know, let's say FGCU. We play the uh, 16 conference games. They go 15 and one. Uh, that's pretty good. Don't you think, uh, unless you're 16 and 0, you should be ranked below FGCU. So, yeah, maybe we should get a two seed this year, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, it is, there's just a lot of different stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's just, a, it's going to be an odd equation. And, uh, we're trying to get the details before you vote in the big thing. Right now, that call I was on just before uh, I got on with you was about moving the fall sport championships into the spring. And it seems like groups are, are supporting that, but we don't have the answers to, are you guaranteeing us AQ access? Because they're thinking of a 50% bracket in, for instance, uh, women's soccer, which would mean instead of a 64-team field, we only have time and uh, resources to play a 32-team field. There's just not enough weeks. Uh, we can't fit it in while we're trying to play spring sports, and so it's 32. Well, from our standpoint, and the group I was on with is called the CCA 22. CCA is the Collegiate Commissioners Association. There's 32 of them across the country. 22 of them do not play bowl-level football. So basketball is the highest uh, you know, income for them, and so these 22 were discussing what are the conditions on which we should support moving uh, fall sports to the spring? And one of them is guaranteed access. If you're not going to guarantee us access, then it's not an NCAA championship, and therefore we, we don't think you should conduct it. Right. And, you know, monetary value, financials is such a big part of this. And, you know, there's no denying that. And, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of curious. It's, most schools, obviously, in conferences host football. Um, the ASUN, you know, doesn't. There's, there's been partnerships that allow that, but FGCU in particular does not. But, you know, in schools that do host football, football is typically that athletic department's, you know, main source of income. Um, but, you know, for, for teams like FGCU that don't have football, basketball is absolutely the, you know, the main source of, of you know, monetary gain. Um, so do you think it's maybe more like more or less beneficial for 
to not have a football team as your main um, source of income uh, in these times where it might not be played in the fall? Well, I'll give you a little perspective. I can't answer, you know, whether, you know, it's better or worse or, or where you are because everyone's campus situation and their plans are different and their heritage and their, you know, affiliation with their alums. You know, FGCU is such a young institution. You know, you, you guys are unique in, in so many ways. Uh, and uh, still, we, we talk about the Fluton effect. You know, that's the term that, you know, one athletic event can change the face of a university for for decades. And, uh, you know, that's FGCU's Sweet 16. I mean, that, that you know, we should call it the FGCU effect. Uh, and I think that's great. But let me tell you about the football situation. It's really only the top people that make money, but the others, you know, it's part of the fabric of their uh, campus and what they do. They bring so many people to the games that are donors and, you know, maybe they, you know, don't support athletics as much as they support something else, but it, it's built in and, and it's part of their campus activity that they need to conduct. And so if you don't have football, now the, the losses we're calculating and the cuts we're making to get through our budget as an A-son, uh, they're doable. And having a reserve that we have that would allow us to operate for two years without the NCAA money uh, is an achievable uh, situation. Now, when the big guys don't play their guarantee games, because you said, all right, ACC, SEC, we're playing conference only. And then you read about the Sun Belt where some school says, that's going to cost me, you know, $1.1 million. I have a guarantee game. And you bet I'm pursuing that contract. Well, stop and think. If if LSU can have a home game and pay you a million bucks to come down and take your whooping down there, uh, think how much they are making. How much are they making if they can afford? So their deals for uh, season ticket holders, for television, <clears throat> for advertisers uh, is <clears throat> millions. And, you know, even from the conference, they give out, you know, 40 to 50, you know, I don't know what the record distribution was, million to every school. So if you're the SEC, let's just say 50 as a round number, and you got 14 schools, so what, you give out $700 million? You distributed more than the NCAA distributes. And if you can't play football, that money's not coming in. So I'd much rather deal with, you know, 100 thousand dollar uh problem than a hundred million dollar problem and so whether you have a football program or not definitely changes the equation but when you're uh lean and mean like the a sun we can handle a rough time and it doesn't change us too much we can get through it uh if if those big boys don't play football uh you know, there's no justification for what they're paying their football staff. You know, you're paying coordinators millions uh, and, and head coaches multiple millions. Uh, how do you pay for that? Maybe the very top have boosters that will fill the gap. But without the games, that income has gone forever. You can come back and play games later. But, yeah, that's an amazingly difficult place to be. 
And uh, I guess for today, anyway, I'm glad we are a basketball-first uh, conference. Right. And uh, speaking of the changes moving forward with the A-Sun, I know recently or earlier this year, you know, you were talking about the, you know, the future plans for the conference and, and what we're trying to get out of uh, future teams and additions and maybe a split in the conference. How does all of this affect you know, the announcement that the ASUM would be partnering to make a 20-team conference. And then, you know, COVID-19 aside, can you uh, sort of explain what the plan is with that? Yeah, and, and let me refer to it as a blueprint. Uh, you get a blueprint to build a house, and then someone says, yeah, you know what, let's save a little money. I don't want to do that huge bay window. Let's just do a straight thing here. And uh, the sauna, yeah, I, I didn't make as much money as I thought in the stock market, so <laughs> cut the sauna out of my blueprint. Uh, so a blueprint is the starting point and has to be adjusted. We have already adjusted it, just without getting into boring details that will have people turning you off. When we released <laughs> NJIT, which was our voluntary decision, and uh, under COVID, it just made that was the right thing to do. It changed some of our options, but we can still partner with some folks and do some of the same things. But we are focused on uh, expansion, divisional play, and focus on football because we either get it sponsored or we have to realize our football playing schools, uh, you know, may be in the market for a football uh, home. But geography and uh, costs and rivalries uh, factor into it. Management of the conference, uh, the fiscal sustainability of the conference, and uh, some of our future plans, whether people want to participate or not, I would say we had some people back away. When COVID hit, they don't know what their uh, enrollment's going to be this fall, how many will actually matriculate. Will they be able to get through a full semester? Will they be able to, you know, charge full fees for being on campus and getting room and board? That that is huge. And so some schools said, look, until I know what my enrollment is and what my room and board, uh, you know, cash flow is going to be, we're just not entertaining, you know, that that move. Others, for the same reason as NJIT, you know, moved out of the ASUN, have some interest in the A-Sun. So uh, the blueprint is in modification, but there's still active discussions on how we can build a stronger A-Sun because all of those plans, in the bottom line, they have to benefit the nine members we have today. So those nine members are the most important, and if we can preserve uh, their allegiance, by providing a football league or providing divisional play, which will allow, uh, you know, some savings and travel, then those are things we're still looking at, still think they're viable, and, uh, you know, hopefully that there'll be some uh, exciting opportunities for us. And when asked how confident I am that we'll be able to uh, add schools, you know, in the next year or two, the plan we had was called ASUN 23 because it was meant to take full effect in 2023 uh, for a number of reasons. And how confident are we we can get some expansion before then, confident enough to release NJIT?
Uh, we never like to lose a school, but that was a situation where if we're truly students first, our students and their students are, you know, better uh, staying locally and not not getting on airplanes. It just wasn't feasible. But we were confident enough to do that without feeling there's any jeopardy to the long-term success of the ASUN. And, I mean, about the ASUN in general, um, you've obviously been a part of it since before it was even called the ASUN. But... Um, and I believe uh, you became commissioner in 2007. Uh, FGCU joined, uh, became D1 in 2011. So, I mean, you've seen the ASUN up close for a lot of time prior to FGCU as well as, you know, since they've been a mainstay. And, you know, can you speak to the level of competition, you know, in all the sports, um, specifically basketball as well, and how that sort of has progressed up to this point? Because it always seems like, you know, it's a really close race by at least a few teams in basically every sport. Yeah, thanks for the, the, the lead-in on that. We're, we're extremely proud of the progress we've made competitively. Over the last few years, we set different records of most, you know, participants in the NCAA, if you count at-large, you know, births that we had in different sports and individuals that advanced to, you know, the, the golf finals or the cross-country finals, not just the, the first round, that we've set records, uh, you know, in most appearances. We set records in most wins in postseason play. And then we had, uh, you know, every one of our sports collect a win. And I don't know if it's the last three or four years, but uh, all of those things were new thresholds for us. And, in fact, we actually instituted a new award uh, called the BEAM Award, that uh, the A-Sun beam, uh, that you've done something uh, above and beyond that we've never done before. We have four beams. Students first is our primary number one beam. The other three are impact, connect, rise. Uh, so when we go to those tournaments and we win in ways we've never done before, you know, hey, that's, that's rise because we're raising our, our strength and our achievement. And, uh, you know, it's definitely impact because it impacts everybody. Uh, you know, if you want to win, and we have a very competitive group. Our ADs want to win. Our coaches want to win. Our students want to win. And you say, well, doesn't everybody? And I'm like, well, I don't know. But we, it's a grand thirst to win. And, and you know, like FGCU, Carl's a tremendous coach for women's basketball. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's done stuff that, you know, only the people like uh, Gino Oriema have done. And so everybody wants to knock him off, you know, and that makes everybody want to get better. You know, and Stetson had a chance and, and beaten him a time or two. Jacksonville beat him a time or two to take a bit away. And, uh, you know, Liberty's been on their heels lately. Uh, so, yes, it makes everybody better when you set the standard high. And so Stetson, they, they played baseball. They were a top 10 team uh, and hosted a regional and won it and went to the super regional. And uh, they needed a few more feet on a ninth inning hit that would have gone over the fence and maybe they would have made the World Series. So uh, absolutely a point of pride. And we credit, uh, it's, it's from the president's down. They make the commitment. They provide the, 
the resources and the tools, and then the ADs have to deploy them as they see fit, whether it's hiring new coaches or extending uh, facilities or uh, adding scholarships. It, it's a different equation everywhere, but uh, I think we've got just a great group of competitive folks that are willing to share to make to make the A Sun stronger. So yeah, it's been a very rewarding time, and uh, you know, it it it's gratifying when you get to to make new uh, reach new heights. Uh, we had our first national championship when a Kennesaw State uh, hammer thrower he won the national championship, the best hammer thrower in the country, in Kennesaw State in the A Sun. And uh, we had people in the national championships, you know, almost routinely in golf every year, uh, teams and individuals. And so, uh, yes, from FGCU's entrance, I think you could mark that day that the bar continues to be set higher and people continue to pursue it because that's what competitive folks do. Yeah, at the collegiate level and beyond and, and pro and, and Olympians and, and such, but especially in men's basketball in the last decade, we've seen, you know, the powerhouses that have come through, whether that's uh, East Tennessee State, uh, Belmont, Mercer, FGCU recently. Um, and this year has to be one of the most wide open years for the A-Sun in men's basketball, simply because you have a lot of changes in uh, some of the powerhouse teams of, of recent, like Stetson looks to be on the rise. Lipscomb is a strong contender. Liberty and UNF lost a ton of talent, but they deserve a benefit of the doubt, especially Liberty being the defending champ. So the potential for competitiveness this year has to definitely intrigue you as a, as a fan. Uh, and as fan. A yeah, it really does. I, I think you're exactly right. And, and on the men's side, you mentioned specifically that uh, Lipscomb and Stetson are stronger. Those coaches are entering their second year. And no matter what, first-year coach – you've got a lot of players that you didn't recruit and you've got to reteach them the way you see uh, successful basketball being played. And uh, second year, you know, you get to have uh, some people that know your system and then the kids teach it to the next class as much as the coach does. And uh, North Alabama, uh, Tony Pujols has got that group coming. They played with four freshmen their first year. So, uh, they're coming into their third year. They're going to be uh, stronger. They're, they're not going to be afraid of anybody. And uh, I just think you're right. It's going to be a really competitive season. Uh, love Matt Driscoll at UNF. Uh, he's a dynamic coach that gets the most out of his kids. Uh, I, I never uh, bet against them on any game. Of course, I don't bet on any games. Uh, <laughs> you're not allowed. You're exactly right. And you know what? It's because we've got really good coaches. You know, if you don't have that, it's hard to have a winning program because that's that's the person that leads it. And uh, same on the women's side. We've got uh, a good core of teams that have been solid. But when your league wants to prove itself, you need the bottom half of the league to be posting some competitive wins. And, you know, UNA came into our league. Their first Division One game, they beat uh, maybe it wasn't their first, but they beat Vanderbilt. I'm like, are you kidding me? That made us look so smart. We need UNA. Uh, so that was great. But the the competition is it's going to be extremely tight. 
you know, which makes it great. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting and everyone's looking forward to it, you know, COVID willing. But, um, you know, not just to uh, wrap everything up kind of on an FGCU note, um, the the women, obviously, basketball seem to retool every single year. Um, you know, they find new ways to keep dominating. It's very, very Belichick, uh, Patriots, dy- dynastic almost. Um, but, you know, a new band of characters and same result. And the men's team recently, you know, it's a bit of a transformation, um, switching to Coach Michael Fly, um, you know, new brand of basketball, new players um, try to fit the system from your from your vantage point, um, where's the arrow pointing for FGCU um, heading into year three under Coach Fly? And, you know, is, is it looking like it's getting back to the glory days at some point here soon? Yeah, I think Michael's a great basketball mind. And if, if there's something that's not working, he will uh, dive in and help figure it out. Uh, I think he's just so driven. I mentioned the the competitive juices and uh, the network he has for people to help uh, put that program on the right track again. And again, even the, 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 the wins weren't there, but you could see, uh, you know, just the size and speed of an FGCU team. So yeah, that, that arrow is definitely going up. And uh, I think that's part of what makes the league great is when you have a team that uh, has established itself as the leader and people want to knock them off. So let's switch over to women. And, and as I said, Carl's a Hall of Fame coach. And the ability to uh, put a team together that uh, the most amazing thing, uh, in addition to their, their skill, their discipline, their, their, their dedication to running the system and trusting it and not breaking out to try to do their own thing, uh, the system is designed to compete against any type of opponent. You face a, a team with, uh, with lots of size and long reach. It's like, all right, we'll, we'll just step back here and, and shoot threes. And if you come out, you create gaps. And if you're big, probably you're not as fast as me. So there's gaps and you shoot the gaps and you hit the, the cutter. And there's always a second option. If, if, if you can't get there, there's, you know, a dish. He's just so good that, uh, you know, I, I love to watch him play. I'm a real basketball fan, and I love to see team play. And I would expect that uh, because he's there, you're the favorite, and uh, there's no reason to think otherwise. There's always been talent, and they've always performed. Uh, they're clutch. They can run sets. They can run, you know, fast breaks. They're just so much fun to watch. And that's why all the rest of the teams in the league want to beat them. If you ask them, say, what team do you want to beat? Almost all, if not all, will say, I want to beat FGCU. And, and that's great. That, that's, that's the competitive fire. So we thank, uh, you guys, uh, for setting the bar. Uh, everybody that attends games is part of that. Everybody that goes to school there is part of that. Everybody in the athletic department is part of that. But obviously, the coach and the players, that's where, that's where it happens. And uh, they should be congratulated uh, for setting the bar so high. And I tell Carl that every time I see him. I say, thanks, man. We're glad you're, we're glad you're with us. Uh, we hate to face you on the other side. Right. And, I mean, <clears throat> it's, <laughs> we're so thankful at FGCU for the success that the women always have. I mean, especially considering the – 
couple of down years that the men had. Nobody's taking the, the women's success for granted, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, that's all the questions we have. Um, we absolutely appreciate you coming on and, you know, talking, you know, the potential plans for the future games, any possibility of 2020 or 2021, you know, sporting going on. But we appreciate you coming on for sure. Yeah, great conversation. And again, we appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to hopefully get back to ASUN sports and sports in general for college. Absolutely. We need to, and I'm looking forward to that as well. So let's close. Uh, I got to do some uh, Twitter work this evening to answer some questions. One of the things we're having fun with is naming songs that have sun as either part of the title or part of the lyrics. So I'm putting you guys on the spot. One of you, either Russell or Elliot, has got to come up with a song with sun a reference so we can see if we can add that to our list. Sun as in like what shines and makes things bright or like a dad's kid? <laughs> S-U-N, like the okay. A-sun. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. You know, like Katrina and the Waves, I'm dancing on sunshine. Oh, you got one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got one. So I, you guys need to give me one. I need one. Come on. The first one I thought of, and I don't know how popular of a song it is, but uh, Steal My Sunshine by... Uh, Len. It by was a the... 90s one-hit wonder, Steal My Sunshine. Yeah, I like it. Yep. I'm a big yep. one-hit wonder fan. Oh, yeah. This, the 90s were all about that. So, Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. I love bragging on our schools and bragging on our student-athletes. Uh, you know, uh, 70% of them are on the honor roll. So we love bragging on them, and anytime you need some filler, I'm glad to come on again. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it, and I hope to talk again in the future. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Well, that was Commissioner Ted Gumbart from the A-Sun. I want to thank him for coming on. Lots of good stuff there. I hope you enjoyed. But a uh, real big shout out to Elliot because I was totally drawn a blank on that uh, song titles with sun in it. I, uh, I'm usually good with that stuff, but you came in clutch. Yeah, I mean, I know we ask questions and put our interviewees on the spot, but that really put me on the spot. And I was like, man, a song with sun, a song with sun. Right. Steal My Sunshine by Len. Yeah. I was hoping people got it. He understood it. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you were, if you were. Six or older in the 90s, you probably know that song. There's a good chance. Right. One hit wonder, but it's a bop. It's a bop for show. Uh-huh. Well, anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, th- th- that was his phone. Probably couldn't hear it. Um, yeah. Hoping, <laughs> <laughs> hoping we uh, can have some sports. <laughs> We'll have a few more guests on, I'm sure. Um, I got, I just released today, actually, or depending on when you're hearing this, a couple days ago, um, the sixth of six Fresh Faces installments. It was a re-introduction uh, to Eli Abiv. And yeah, good stuff in there. I talked to his coach from uh, East Florida State College, where he played with Jalen Warren. And insight from Coach Fly, as well as one of those new-to-the-nest interviews uh, that Jalen did with him. Um, So good stuff there. Give it a look. 
But uh, we'll have some more articles coming out. Um, I got another series planned for like the latter half of the, I guess it won't be summer, but the beginning of the fall leading into the season um, and a couple of, you know, one-offs as well. So stay tuned. Yeah, Trusty Rusty's got some big plans. Nobody's ever called me that. Oh, I just did. Okay. You're trustworthy. Trending. (laughs) Trendy. Get it trending on Twitter. I don't get it. Trusty Rusty. Like hashtag. Oh. Yeah, you don't actually. Let's get it going. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Catch you on the next one.